Okay, so show of hands, how many of you feel like you would have just eaten the marshmallow straight up? You, w- you couldn't have waited, okay? All right, all right, about half the room. How many of you feel like you definitely could have waited and you would have held out for the second marshmallow? Okay, okay, all right, you've got some confident people in here. And now for the real question, this isn't a hand-raising question, this is more of a rhetorical question. Now, I want you to think about what is the marshmallow in your life? What, what is that thing or that area of your life where you find it really difficult to exert self-control? Okay, I want you to think about that as we go through the sermon this morning, because this morning we're wrapping up our series in the fruit of the Spirit, and the final fruit of the Spirit, if you've been paying attention as we've been progressing along, the final fruit of the Spirit is self-control, self-control. And so some of you, uh, you're probably like me, maybe your lack of self-control and your, your thing in your life has to do with, with food. And for me, I don't really like marshmallows, but if you put a Krispy Kreme donut in front of me, that's different, Okay. Uh, you know, I'm not going to eat one or two. Actually, in a sitting, one time I ate two dozen, but that's, that's a sermon illustration on gluttony for another day, okay? So some of you, it might be, might be food. Others of you, maybe it's not food. Uh, maybe, maybe it's Netflix. When, when you're done with a long day of work, you think, I'm just going to watch one episode and just relax, and then it's 3 a.m. and you've been through the whole season. Or, or maybe you're just really hardcore and it's, you know, 8 a.m. and you're supposed to go to work and you've been through three seasons. I mean, for some of you, maybe, maybe Netflix is that area. Others of you, maybe, maybe it's shopping, Black Friday coming up. I don't know how that works in a pandemic. Honestly, it sounds a little bit terrifying. Uh, but, but I do know this, that on Black Friday, a lot of people are going to go to Amazon or going to go to Best Buy and they're going to be expecting to get one thing and they're going to come out with 10 things, right? A thousand things. Maybe, maybe it's social media. Maybe it's your, it's your phone. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's alcohol or another substance, anger, uh, some kind of emotions you have. Maybe, it, maybe it's stuff you, you look at, you, sh- you feel like you shouldn't be looking at. I, I don't know what the marshmallow is in your life, but you know, the video is cute and it's cute to think about marshmallows and self-control and, and kids. But as you know, as you get older, a lack of self-control can have dire consequences in our lives. And a lack of self-control can not only affect us, but can also affect others and damage others and the relationships in our lives. And my guess is that as you think about this thing in your life and you reflect on self-control, my guess is that you have tried throughout your life to do better in this area. My guess is you've tried to be better. You've, you've tried to exert more self-control. And my guess is that over and over again, you've probably failed. And if that's you this morning, if you feel like you've tried to live with self-control and throughout your life you failed at different points, I want to offer you a word of good news. And the word of good news comes on behalf of the Apostle Paul. And the word of good news is this, that self-control isn't self-powered. True self-control isn't about getting more tips or more tricks or more apps on your phone. True self-control isn't self-powered. Instead, it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, I want to I read the passage from Galatians chapter 5 that we've been in for the last eight weeks. I want to read this one more time to kind of get this view in mind. And so Paul, Galatians 5 chapter, verse 16 says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you're not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. And the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is, and you can say these out loud with me as we've been doing, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And here Paul Paul clearly tells us that that self-control is something that the Holy Spirit develops and grows in each of us. It, it is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is one of the things that is the organic outgrowth of the Holy Spirit's presence and power in our lives. And elsewhere, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says it this way. He says, God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, of love, and self-control. Self-control. Control. And when the Bible talks about self-control, when Paul's writing it here, it might be a little different than, than what exactly you have in mind. But when Paul is writing about self-control and saying the Holy Spirit has to do with self-control, what Paul is talking about here for self-control is, is self-control is basically this. Saying yes to the Spirit and what the Spirit wants you to do and saying no to the flesh. So so self-control is saying, yes, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to go where God wants me to go. I'm going to live by the Spirit and follow where the Spirit leads. And I'm going to say no to my flesh. That is the sinful nature, the sinful desires in me that are leading me away from God. So basically self-control is the ability to say yes to the things we should do and no to the things we shouldn't do. And what Paul is saying here is that self-control, it isn't self-powered, it's empowered and it's enabled by the Holy Spirit at work within us. It's the Holy Spirit giving us the power and the ability to say yes to these things and no to these things. And if we begin to think about self-control in in different areas of our lives, I mean, you, you can think about some kind of big categories of, of where we're called to have self-control, where we need to exert self-control empowered by the Holy Spirit. One of those areas would be, would be our thoughts, right? Having self-control with our thoughts. I, I heard somebody say recently, our minds are like a mental greenhouse. For good or for ill, thoughts are there and then they're nurtured they're watered, they're cultivated, and ultimately they grow and they're ultimately transplanted into the reality around us, into our words and actions and experiences. And this is why Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
He says, take captive every thought. And so what he, what he means there is he's saying, say yes to those thoughts that are of the Holy Spirit of God and say no to those thoughts that are of the flesh and that are leading you away from God. And he doesn't just leave us there. He actually gives us a, a list of the types of things to think about. In his letter to the Philippians, he says this, Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So he's saying when those thoughts come into your mind, cultivate those. Water those. Help those things grow. Give your energy and attention. Think about those things. And at level, he's saying the opposite too, right? When thoughts are untrue, when they're wrong, when they're unclean, when they're degrading and when they're leading you away from the Holy Spirit and what God wants you to do, don't, don't water those things. Instead, you need to root those things out like weeds. And now, you know, we, we can't control exactly what comes into our minds, right? I mean, sometimes thoughts just, just pop in our minds. But what Paul is saying is once those thoughts come into our minds, we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, have the ability to say, yes, I, I'm going to dwell on those things. I'm going to cultivate those things. Or no, you know what? That thought entered my mind, but I'm going to let it pass. I'm not going to devote energy and attention to it because the way we cultivate and grow our thoughts, they have an impact in our everyday lives. And so Paul says, look, take captive every thought exert self-control in your thought life because it impacts every other aspect of your life so we can think about self-control with our thoughts but then we can also think about self-control with our words right i mean this is a huge a huge area and for some people this is this is a particular struggle and in the book of proverbs we read this that there is power of life and death in the tongue there's power of life and death in the tongue. And James writes this, that the tongue is like a spark. And you know what sparks do. I mean, right now, this time of the year, a lot of us use sparks to start fires in our homes that provide us warmth and, and comfort. And we laugh around the fire and, and they're beautiful things. But also, fires can be very dangerous and fires can destroy forests and homes. And so James is saying our, our words once again, can bring life and they can bring death. And so we need to be careful of the things we say. And I think in this time that we're living in right now, I think our words are of utmost importance because we're not interacting in person as much. And so what we're communicating over text message, what we're posting online, what we're sending in emails, what we're saying on phone calls, all of these things are, are carrying more weight these days, and they can have a massive impact on other people for good or for ill. And so in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 29, Paul, once again, he, he tells us the types of words we should use and we should say yes to and the types of words that we should really say no to. He says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 
So, so what he's saying here is say no, first of all, to unwholesome talk. And this week as I was studying, I was like, okay, well, I don't, I don't know exactly what unwholesome talk means. I mean, we kind of know, but I was like, okay, let's look in the Greek, go to the literal sense of the word. And the literal sense of this word unwholesome here means rotten, putrid, or of poor quality. And so basically Paul is saying, look, when you're using unwholesome talk, it's like you're, you're bearing bad, rotten fruit in the world. And the enemy would love nothing more than for us to use our words to hurt other people. And a lot of times we would love to do nothing more in our flesh than use our words to hurt other people. And when we use our words negatively, we, we read that list of the, the, the fruits of the flesh that Paul listed out. I mean, they lead to hatred, discord, dissension, and division. But then Paul says, okay, say no to those things, but, but always say yes. Say yes to where the Spirit is leading. Where is the Spirit leading? The Spirit is leading us to say only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So we need to say yes to those things that build each other up. And I, I heard somebody say this also, that every single person is under-encouraged. Every single person you meet, every single person you're going to meet this week is under-encouraged. And when I heard that, I thought, oh, that might be true. But as I've reflected on it the last number of months, I found it to be true. And we have the opportunity as followers of Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, to encourage others, to build them up. And also I heard somebody say this, that, you know, every single person is fighting a battle you don't know about especially in this season. Every single person is fighting a battle you don't know anything about. And so use self-control with your words because they have the power to bring life and the power to bring death to other people. So we need to do like James says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Pause and use self-control before we speak things into existence. And then, then, of course, after our thoughts and our words, there is obviously our actions. Our actions. And if, if you think about self-control and this list of the fruit of the Spirit that we've been talking about the last eight weeks, you'll realize that really self-control is, is kind of connected to all of these other fruits. And this is why, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, I haven't emphasized it much in the series, that, that Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. He doesn't say the fruit of the Spirit are, it's singular. He says the fruit of the Spirit is, so what he's saying is, look, the fruit of the Spirit aren't like Golden Corral this afternoon, okay? It's going to be packed. I already know, I drive by it and I always wonder, you know, there are so many people at Golden Corral. And you know what? He's saying the fruit of the Spirit aren't like Golden Corral. It's not like, hey, I want a little love, but no, nah, I don't want any joy today. You know what? I, I want some peace, but I don't want patience. I don't like patience, so I'm not going to deal with that. No, no. He's saying, look, th this isn't a buffet. You don't get to pick and choose. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and so on. It's like an orange, right? An orange is one fruit, but it's made up of the different slices, Different pieces making up 
a whole. Self-control, we can see, is tied to all of the other fruit. They're all working together. The Holy Spirit wants to bear all of them in our lives. And so when we think about self-control, when, when we are exerting it in our lives and we're, we're saying, yes, I want to I love others, I want to I do what's good for them, then we're also saying no, no to hatred and no to retribution. When we're exerting self-control, we're able to say, you know what, yes, I'm going to be patient with this, this checkout person. I'm going to be patient with people in my life. I, I'm going to say no to these angry thoughts I'm having, and I'm not going to act on them. I'm not going to feed those thoughts. We're able to say yes when we're living with self-control to kindness and to gentleness. And we're going to say, we're going to say no to harshness, even though we can feel that bubbling up inside of us in our flesh. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to exert self-control and say yes to the things of the Spirit and no to the things of the flesh. And John Stott, who's an Anglican pastor who I've mentioned throughout the series some, in one of his final messages, he, he's kind of discussing the fruit of the Spirit. And he says, he says this, this is a reason why it's important to bear the fruit. He says, the most effective witnessing, sharing of our faith, comes from those who embody the things they are saying. They are their message. Christians need to look like what they're talking about. That is Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. That's really what we've been talking about in this series. Because when we're bearing the fruit of the Spirit, we're, we're living and looking like Christ to other people in the world around us. And Jesus said, I will draw all people unto myself. And so when we're living and looking like Jesus Christ in our everyday lives, what we're doing is God is working through us to draw people unto himself. But this thought goes on to say, you know what, the opposite is also true. When we're not bearing the fruit of the Spirit, when we're, when we're living out all of these fruits of the flesh that he names, then we're actually repelling people away from the church and away from Jesus Christ. And he tells a story about a, a professor in India who had a, a university student who was a Christian. And this professor was Hindu, and he, and he said to this Christian student, he said, you know what, if you Christians lived like Jesus Christ, India would be at your feet tomorrow. If you Christians lived like Jesus Christ, millions and millions of people would come to know him. But so often, as you know, we, we don't. And we fail. And, and it can be easy to say, you know what, that's an impossible task. We could never live or look like Jesus Christ. But what Paul has been telling us throughout this series is that when the Holy Spirit is living and reigning in us, we can look like Christ, not in our own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we find that when we're, when we're living with self-control in our thoughts and with our words, and with our actions, there is transformation. There's transformation in our lives. There, there is an experience of what Jesus calls the abundant life. And when we're living out the fruit of the Spirit, people are drawn to Jesus Christ. This is kind of what Paul was talking about. First Corinthians 
chapter 9, verse 25, he says this, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. If, if you're an athlete, you know this, okay? I'm not that much of an athlete, so I'm not going to dwell on it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, one that's going to be thrown away, all those trophies that just get dropped off at goodwill. They exercise self-control to receive a perishable wreath, but we exercise self-control to receive an imperishable one, an eternal one, one that will last forever. And so this morning, as we have been reflecting on the rewards of living with self-control and the rewards of living with the fruit of the Spirit, as we've reflected in this series on what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us and the good gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to give us, as we wrap up this series, I just want to leave one final thought with you. And it's a thought that, that's best illustrated by by a story that a missionary in India named John Siemens tells. He was a, a missionary in India in the mid-20th century, also a professor at Asbury Theological Seminary, where, where Pastor Stephen had, had gone to school. And John Siemens says when, when he was a missionary, his family lived in a village, and a lot of times he would have to go off on evangelistic crusades and, and to do stuff in other parts of the country. And he had a number of kids at home, but he had one little girl, his youngest daughter, who they had a special relationship. And so whenever he would come home from a journey, he would always give her a small little gift. And they were very simple. They didn't have a lot of money as a missionary family. He would, he would bring her a crayon from a, from a village far away. He would give her a little book or a toy or a trinket, just something he found at market. And so every time he would come home, she would, she would run up to the door and she would be so excited. And when he would open his briefcase, she would say, Daddy, oh, Daddy, what did you bring me today? And she would just be ecstatic to get those things. But then one day he had been on some evangelistic work in, in a very remote village where there weren't stores and shops. And so he returned home empty-handed. And he came home. He, he, didn't, have, he didn't have any gifts for her and when he came into the door his his daughter said dad what'd you bring me this time and he said oh honey you know i was in a remote area there weren't there weren't shops there wasn't any place to buy you anything and you know what i, I was gone so long I, I was really homesick and just looking forward to be here with you and you know the gift i want to give you today is is my presence his daughter looked up at him with tears starting to form in her eyes and disappointment in her voice. And she said, Daddy, oh, Daddy, why didn't you bring me anything? And John Seaman says, a lot of times this is how we are with God. As his sons and as his daughters, we, we come to him and we say, God, give me peace. God, give me patience. God, give me love. G give me all these good things in my life. God, give me provision. And those aren't bad prayers. We've been encouraging you to say them throughout the series. But as we're praying to God and talking with the Holy Spirit and asking for all of these things, we must never, ever forget that the greatest gift God has given to us is his presence 
It is His Holy Spirit, His very self, available to each and every one of us. And when we receive Him, we receive truly everything we could really need or deep down want in this world. And so this morning, as we wrap up this series together, I don't, I don't want us to pray for, uh, give me all of these different fruits. Instead, I just want us to pray simply, God, give us more of yourself. Because that's really what we need. And so, so would you bow your heads with me? And would you place your hands, hands out in front of you in a, in a posture of receiving God, this morning, we we simply ask, come Holy Spirit and fill us. Come Holy Spirit, reign in us. Come Holy Spirit, push out all of the things that, that are fighting for space in our hearts and in our lives. God, we need more of your presence. We want more of your presence. God, help us not to be so concerned with the stuff and the gifts and the fruit that we miss you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, have your way in each of our lives. Fill us afresh. Do what only you can do. As we sing our closing song, I just invite you to remain in this this posture of prayer and posture of receiving. And may you feel the Holy Spirit's presence at work in you.